Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's show on 3CR. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land and paying respects to elders right across this great continent, be they past, present or emerging. Sovereignty of these great lands has never been ceded and the struggle against the struggle to decolonise continues today. My name is Megan Williams and today on the show I will be catching up with some independent filmmakers from Homelandings Media, Dan Schultz and Otis Philly, who have been living at Sunset Strip, which is on the Menindi on, on Lake Menindi, near the town of Menindi in far west New South Wales, and they have been working with the community uh, to understand so many of the issues that are happening throughout the whole community, not just the river, but they have been making a film series about the Darling Barker and how it's affecting, how its health is affecting the communities out there. So we'll be catching up with them right after this community service announcement. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe, and be kind to each other. You're on Dirt Radio with Megan this morning, and we're talking to Homelandings Media, who have been making videos out along the Darling Barker. Joining me today is Dan Schultz and Otis Philly from Sunset Strip. How are you guys going? Hi, Megan. Good, thank you. We're good. Very good. Thanks so much for joining us. So maybe to start us off, can you tell us, tell, just tell us a bit of a story about how you ended up living at Sunset Strip and, you know, what, what you're doing out there? Well, it really began with this idea of uh, canoeing the river and we we were hoping, we spent a month or so preparing to canoe the Darling River. We um, we mapped it, we were doing our research about the towns and we prepared this um, this canoe trip and we were going to leave in, in mid-December and um, come up and we're really hoping to kind of do some canoeing, speak to some people and record uh, the people that we met but um, canoe from town to town. And so we, we prepared by drying food and um, building a canoe that would be able to we were understood that there were um, there were pools of water and that we would be 
uh, wheeling the canoe in certain segments from pool to pool. But really, as when we, it didn't take us long when we reached Wentworth to very quickly realise that that was very much not going to be a plausible scenario. Um, we were quickly laughed at and realised that there was far less water than we had ever anticipated in the Darling. Um, but so then we we talked to a few people and we were invited up to Menindee to, um, to come and meet some people. And we were... We arrived on just before uh, January this year and um, we were just completely captivated by the community here and uh, started talking to people and learning lots about the river and we haven't really left since. Yes, and it is... A- <laughs> I remember the, when you told me your plan to to paddle up the river. You know, it, it was at that that was kind of start, at the start of the year, wasn't it? And um, you know, there's probably a thousand kilometers of dry riverbed along the Darling River at that time. Um, but it is flowing again, and your first video kind of explores the water coming back. Can you tell us a bit more about that story? Yeah, so we there was a, a flow event in in March, um, which kind of coincided also with a uh, a community protest action in the town of Wilcannia, which is two hours from where we live in Menindee. And uh, we had the privilege of experiencing uh, water arriving in the river for the first time in a couple of years, uh, and what we experienced was. Um, this town kind of coming to life in a lot of ways. Um, the, we live on Niapa and Barkindji country. So the town of Wilcannia is um, uh, predominantly Barkindji and they were able to practice for the first time in, in two years their cultural practices around the water and around the river and also kind of it coincided with this community action um, which was... Um, dedicated to trying to um, express the frustration that they have with water policy. So we made the first film we made was a, was a bit about the connection between um, the health of the people in Wilcannia and the river and also, you know, how they use the river when it is there um, and the kind of celebration that occurred um, in the town when, when that water arrived in March. Hmm. And can you tell us about any of your favourite scenes from that that particular video? Um, you know, did any anything happen in that that one that warms your heart or that really stands out to you? Uh, look, for me, I think the footage of the the kids jumping off the bridge was pretty extraordinary. Um, uh, it's a pretty high bridge in Wilcannia, and it's a pretty beautiful. Um, thing to see people playing in the river and also there's you know kids making mudslides down the bank of the river and kind of sliding down it and I remember I used to do that as a kid um, but use black plastic like put black plastic on a on a hill and then put a hose down it and soap it up and then slide down it Um, because we didn't have a river where I lived but you know it, it kind of 
just reminded me of all these things that I did as a kid and kind of not being able to do those things for years, you miss out on some of the memories that you would have and um, some of the joy in childhood, really. So that's kind of what stood out for me in that film. Yeah, can I just add to that? I think that we, speaking to, you know, many of the elders and local elders, we they we hear a lot, you got to talk to the children, you got to talk to the kids, they're the, they're the future. And um, to really kind of, I, I think I first started to understand what that was from watching these, these kids playing with the river and having seen this town that nothing seemed like a ghost town until that water came down. There was no life in the town. And really this was day or a week into the water coming back and that bridge was just absolutely buzzing with life. And to see that was really something special. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, I guess that's another way to think of it as well, you know, like to our, to the politicians and the water managers, you know, uh, um, a year or two of the river being totally dry is a disaster. But for a child, that's, you know, from when you were eight to 10 years old, you couldn't play in at your favourite spot. Like, it seems so much more significant when you think about it in that sort of time frame. Yeah, I think that's that's hugely significant, and I don't think you can you can measure that in um, sort of you can't really measure that at all. That, that loss of uh, life, um, it's not a number that you can put in a report, really. And uh, I actually haven't seen any reports where they have even tried to put that that figure in or that loss in. No, and even it's it's even hard to describe in words. I mean, film is not a bad way of describing um, those kinds of events. Um, in a lot of ways, probably one of the best mediums for describing something like that. I think um, if you could you could write about it, um, but certainly I think film, especially with kids like we've interviewed kids and they don't always have a lot to say but they express themselves through their bodies and through um sort of playing and so i think film is a great medium for expressing um some of those things yeah yeah and they are really powerful films um so you kind of you touched on how this first one um, you know, you've got the kids in the river and the, the river coming back really as the whole story and that the third one also kind of explores a similar time with a protest that was blocking the barrier highway, blocking the bridge on the barrier highway, which is the main road between Sydney and Adelaide. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that day? Yeah, well, that was a, a pretty special day for the for community Um yeah, I, I guess it was them kind of getting together and the first one of the first things we saw of uh, both the community and um, ever, people coming to support the community to with strong and clear demands that water be taken off the market. Um, the that the film kind of goes into how uh, Aboriginal people are excluded from water rights and that they uh despite being 
10% of the area only own 0.2% of water in the area. So, yeah, the, the, and the day was a really special to, to just bring a lot of people together and um, we spent a lot of time camping below the bridge and then, um, yeah, filming it was a really exciting event to hear lots of voices coming together and um, clear demands. And we've got a little clip from the protest from that day. Let's take a listen. They tell us on one hand, you know, we, we live in a free society. We don't. The invisible chains are around our legs and around our throat, same as they had before, but they're not game enough to do it. They killed us with their bullets and so on. Now the governments are killing us with their policies. So that's films one and three. What about number two? Can you, Dan, what's um, what's number two? Uh, number two is about um, a group of Broken Hill um, fishermen uh, who are rescuing um, the endangered Murray cod and other species of fish from the um, stagnant pools of water that we encountered in December. So um, they had a, obviously a... I mean, most people would probably know a, a fish kill event um, in January last year, and uh, there were still a lot of Murray cod and yellow belly and other native fish that were stranded in these stagnant pools of water, um, and they their lives were threatened, and so the the DPI fisheries as well as some fish rescue volunteers were. Um, netting those pop, those pools of water and pulling those fish out and then releasing them in the weir pool at Menindee. So we had the privilege of going on one of these adventures um, with some fish rescue volunteers and we, um, we kind of went into the bush and up the river and, and um, then, you know, followed them as they, as they netted these pools and put these fish in tanks and then released them. But there's also a bit of information about the significance of the Murray cod as a cultural um, kind of entity. Uh, it's always been something that fishermen have sought out um, and uh, a lot of Aboriginal people also have uh, a connection to the fish. And so the film is really about these people trying to save this endangered species and the significance of um, that species to the culture out here as well. So you guys have been out there kind of on this filmmaking project. What are your plans for the future and, you know, what, what have you got up your sleeve at the moment? Um, well, there's a lot. I mean, one of the reasons it's kept us here, I think, is that this area is so rich with storytelling possibilities. And I think that kind of blew us away um, when, we, when we got up here. Um, so we have a lot of different stories you could tell up here. Um, and a lot of different people that live up here that, that um, you know, would, would share their stories with us. So we kind of think there's an infinite possibility here. So we kind of can't imagine ourselves kind of leaving. And being that we've escaped um, the city life, uh, especially during corona times, like it just seems like 
establishing ourselves in this community and um, making efforts to kind of document what's going on out here seems like something that is not going to end anytime soon. So, uh, I mean, we have film projects that we're looking at and thinking about and designing. Um, I'm reasonably reluctant to talk about them, but basically we're going to just keep doing what we're doing and try and finish this web series, which we're making, which is called This Is Water, um, which these three episodes we've discussed comes from. And, um, yeah, just keep... Uh, keep talking to people and keep experiencing the land and the waterways out here. Yeah, and I, I am interested in how um, your experience has been coming in as an outsider and, you know, moving into a remote outback place. Like how has the community responded to the work you've been doing and, you know, what's life been like for you? Oh, look... I think we we wouldn't have we wouldn't have stayed out here if we didn't feel like we were supported in a lot of ways by the community. Um, I I I think that um, yeah we we haven't had a lot of opportunities to um, to do any screenings or anything like that, which we'd like to kind of you know en- engage the community with uh, what we're doing. But basically, we are working with the community and they are responding in in ways that are, are keeping us excited and people have been incredibly generous to kind of invite us along and um I think there's a really there's a real especially when we first came here urgency that people felt to to share their stories and so that's um great for filmmaking there's not a lot of shyness people want to get their voices out there and um yeah that's that's a lot of fun and it's really fun to kind of follow people as they are setting up or doing more actions you know following the organization of the blockade right from the get-go uh following these fish rescue volunteers as they um as they were relocating these fish and um, yeah, every, every sort of member of the town seems to have some way that they're working to, to do for the river. And um, so that's a, a lot of fun and it means that there's a lot of people to talk to and it's still certainly not over it, despite the fact that there's a bit of water coming down the river. So yeah, that's what's going to keep us here. Very good. And uh, what is happening in terms of we haven't really talked about um, the river or the lakes themselves. Is there anything um, happening at the moment in terms of, you know, getting getting political outcomes or getting getting policy changes to the way the river is managed? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things happening at the moment. Um, there is the SDL project at the Menindee Lake System, which um, uh, the the government are trying to um, had a bunch of proposals for some sort of infrastructure changes and things to the Menindee Lakes, um, and the uh, stakeholder advisory group, which 
is a is a group of, of various um, organisations that the government were um, sort of talking to. They've pulled out of talks because the proposals were pretty insufficient. And I think at the end of the day, the community just want these lakes filled back up and the water um, protected until uh, the lakes are full and, and there's full connectivity throughout the system. So they've pulled out of those talks and um, uh, there are some ideas for actions being planned in order to kind of express that um, idea that that basically, you know, they don't really need sort of infrastructure for the lakes. There's other infrastructure projects like bitumizing the road and that sort of thing that would benefit the town, but basically changing the lakes. Um, I don't think anybody is anybody in the town would want that to happen. So it's a matter of expressing um, the fact that they just want water protected um, until there's full connectivity in the system and until the lakes are full. So there's there's all these different things happening um, and different campaigns for how to restore the river system uh, to its full health. Um, but for this town, I think it is that Mindy Lakes project, which is um, probably has everyone's eye at the moment. So most of our listeners are still at home under lockdown in Melbourne. Um, we are, of course, on 3CR. So Dan and Otis from Homelandings Media, what can people do if they're, if they're interested in getting informed and they want to learn more about what's happening out along the Darling Barker? Where can they go? Well, you can watch our um, web series, This Is Water, uh, at our website homelandings.com.au um, you can also f- follow us on on facebook or instagram um, probably just google homelandings media and you can, should be able to find that but if you go to our website www.homelandings.com.au you can um, find our films there um, and there's lots of other really good media around the issue as well um, which you know you can connect up with lots of different facebook groups and at the end of the day, I think, you know, when the lockdown's over, I think people kind of moving out to the, to the country or to Western New South Wales um, is also a pretty good option too, to connect with the, with the river and connect with the, with the land. Absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Dirt Radio. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Megan. We'll be back right after this. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. You're back on Dirt Radio on 3CR and I have been talking to Dan Schultz and Otis Philly 
from Homelandings Media. So these two guys have been living out at Sunset Strip in far west New South Wales, near the Menindee, on the Menindee Lakes, and uh, um, working with the community and becoming part of the community out at Menindee to understand and share grassroots community stories. You can go and check out all of their videos at homelandings.com.au. And um, Dan also mentioned the Menindee SDL project, which um, is a bit of jargon for a infrastructure project that would greatly alter the operation of the lakes system. And I actually made an Earth Matters program on the Menindee Lakes. It's called Leave Our Lakes Alone. And you can check out 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters and scroll down to Leave Our Lakes Alone if you want to hear more about that story. And, of course, if you missed any of today's show or you'd like to catch up on the podcast, you can go to 3cr.org.au slash dirt radio and you can find all of our great shows um, to listen back to there. Coming up at Friends of the Earth, we have regular new volunteer sessions. So if you have been sitting in lockdown wondering what you can do, get in touch via our website, melbournefo.org.au slash events. All our new volunteer sessions are listed there where you can RSVP and get in touch with my co-producer, Phil, who runs a really wonderful session. Um, all about Friends of the Earth and all about the great things that you can get involved in uh, and start contributing in a consensus decision-making and anti-hierarchical grassroots community-centred way. Uh, Also coming up is the Faux Melbourne Annual General Meeting of 2020. Is it that time again already? It's coming up on November 12 at 6.30 and we have a special guest speaker, Joe Dodds, from Bushfire Survivors for Climate Action. It's a members-only event, but, of course, anyone can become a member at Friends of the Earth. So uh, if you're not a member, perhaps look at that new volunteer session and learn how to sign up and start start, uh, being part of the Faux family. And if you are already a member, then check it out. It's going to be online um, and it's always a really great night. And that's just about all we have time for today on Dirt Radio. Taking us out is Two Clocks by Stephen Rowe, which has been a song recommended by Dan and Otis. This uh, artist is originally from Broken Hill and the song is featured in episode two of This Is Water. So check out that series and I hope you enjoyed the show today. We'll see you next week. town called Hollywood And people back home think that is good But I live at the bottom of the hill Where life means nothing and you get cheap thrills 
Got two clocks on my wall One is there to catch me when I fall It gives me memories, I feel I'm home The other makes me feel like I'm alone Skipping stars on the boulevard Wonder if they're, they're gonna be a star But I've been there, I've seen it all before That's why I'm looking for a door I've got two clocks on my wall One is there to catch me when I fall It gives me memories, I feel I'm home The other makes me feel like I'm alone Like the Silver City The boys are rough And the girls are pretty I hear my grandma calling out to